Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. We're starting a brand new series today titled Travel Light. And uh, as we start this series, I want to remind you of a truth I shared with you from our most recent series called Flesh and Blood, where we for four weeks studied uh, spiritual warfare. And one of the truths I shared with you in that series was this, and that is that if, if you're a Christian, uh, if you've been born again in Jesus, Satan cannot possess you, but he can oppress you. And so I really believe as we go throughout this series, we're going to be looking at four different things that Satan often uses to oppress us, things that I know he's used to oppress me, and things that I see him as we speak using to oppress you. And so as we go into this series, I want to remind you, church, of a biblical truth, and Shane and I are going to remind you of this truth each week as we travel throughout this message series, and and that is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this truth down. This world is not our homeland. Amen. All right, church, like, let that sink in. This world is not our homeland. You and I, we were created for more. Uh, we are on our way to a better country, a heavenly one. As born-again believers in Christ, we must keep that perspective. This world is not our home. Uh, We are made for more. We are saved for more. We are on our way to a better country, and it is a heavenly one, a heavenly country. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, we read what is commonly referred to as the hall of faith. And throughout Hebrews 11, in the hall of faith, the writer of Hebrews mentions uh, person after person after person that lived their lives and traveled through life with great faith. I'm about to read some verses to you from Hebrews chapter 11, and these these verses speak of these individuals traveling through life here on earth with a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. And so follow along with me now, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. It says, for people who speak, thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Now, before I read verse 16, let me share a couple of observations and thoughts with you here. Um, As believers in Jesus, our God in heaven, he has shown us a better way. And that better way, his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus' standards for living should be my standards for living and should be your standards for living. The Bible tells us that when we are saved, the old us, or as the scripture puts it, the old man has passed away and the new has come. Jesus gives us new life. He gives us a new foundation to build our lives upon. He gives us new hope and gives us new purpose. The old has passed, the new has come. 
But the devil is always presenting you and I with opportunity to return back to that old land that we have been brought out of. So here's what you and I must understand, that because we've been born again, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, we should desire a better country. As we travel through our life here on earth, with the help of the Spirit, we should yearn for a heavenly home. So now let me read verse 16 to you. But as it is, they desire a better country. That's you and I, that's the folks in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and I love this part, for he has prepared for them a city. What's one of the promises Jesus made before he went to the cross, before he ascended into heaven? He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And he is a a keeper of his promises. Now, a problem that you and I have, we all have it, is that as we travel through this life here on earth to our heavenly home, to that better country, whether we mean to or not, we accumulate baggage. And that baggage that we accumulate, Satan uses it to oppress us. He uses it to hinder us in our walk with Jesus. He uses it to weigh us down instead of living and walking freely by the power of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, the Scripture tells us that where the Spirit is, there is freedom. But Satan uses this baggage that we accumulate to hinder us and to slow us down and to weigh us down and to oppress us. Let me mention some of the baggage that we're going to talk about uh, throughout the next few weeks. We're going to talk about depression. We're going to talk about some of the baggage we carry with our distractions in life, our past. Satan uses these things to weigh us down. But as we start today, I want us to talk about unloading bitterness. Unloading bitterness. If there's anything that I see Satan using quite often in people's lives, and in my life too, to hinder us as we travel from here to heaven, it's bitterness. And so we got to talk about how to unload this. I want to share with you what Pastor Craig Rochelle says about bitterness in his book, Soul Detox. He says, bitterness is a non-productive, toxic emotion, usually resulting from resentment over unmet needs. Like a master criminal needing support for a big heist, bitterness never works alone. Its insidious partners include jealousy, anger, hatred, disobedience, contempt, gossip, rage, and countless other tagalongs. The job they're planning is to rob anyone they can of peace, hope, joy, forgiveness, and mercy. I want to guide us now a little bit further into this topic of bitterness, and I want to take us now to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Follow along with me there, beginning in verse 14. Pursue peace with everyone. Have you ever noticed that some people are harder to live at peace with than others? I mean, that's just the truth. Some folks are harder to live at peace with, but... 
The scriptures don't hold back here. The scriptures here tell us to pursue peace with who? Everyone. And not only peace, but holiness. And man, this carries a lot of weight, this next statement here. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Wow. Like, I don't claim to fully understand what all's going on there. There's a little bit there that's above my pay grade, but I do know that it says here, like, that peace and, and holiness being pursued with other people is so important that if we don't pursue it, they won't see the Lord at work in our lives. And so we have to pursue, by the power of God, peace with everyone and holiness as well so that they will see the Lord. The scriptures go on here to say, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Let's make an observation from these two passages. If you're taking notes, write it down. Bitterness has a dangerous root, and it yields poisonous fruit. According to these two verses right here, bitterness has a dangerous root, and it yields poisonous fruit. It springs up causing trouble, which means it's a dangerous root, and it yields poisonous fruit because what does it do according to the scriptures? It defiles many. It's dangerous. It causes trouble, and it's poisonous because it defiles not only you, but the folks around you. And church, what I really want you to get today, this is a big deal. One of our enemy's greatest tools to destroy relationships and to poison hearts is with what the Bible calls here a root of bitterness. Church, listen to me. Friends, God has made you to love and to be loved. God has created you to trust and to be trusted. But what Satan often does is he wants to kill that love and that trust that you were made for and to experience in your relationships, and he wants to leave you bitter instead of better. See, God wants to make you better. God is always working in your life for the good. But one of the things that Satan wants to do to hinder you as you travel onward to your heavenly home is he wants to leave you bitter. And oftentimes, this root that grows up starts with something really, really small. Because any root that grows, what's it do? It starts from a seed. And seeds are small. And so what often happens is, let's take social media, for example. And this happens with folks. I hear about it all the time. You may have a friend on social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else there is out there. And you see all the time your friends post or extended family post things, and you always make sure to go out of your way to like them, to give them the old heart, a good thumbs up, or even leave them a comment. And you do that, and you do that. You want them to know, man, I'm for you. I'm in your corner. I love your post. But one day, all of a sudden, you notice, man, they never give me a thumbs up. They never comment on my post. I hadn't had a heart from them in a long time. What is the deal? Do they not see my post? Do they not love me like I love them? Do they not care that I showed them feelings and now they're not reciprocating them back to me? And next thing you know, Satan, he preys on all those thoughts. And just that little bitty small seed 
can grow up into a root of bitterness, something small. It could be a text message. You send the text message to a friend, to a loved one, or even a group. Don't you love those group text messages? And then you send it, you send that text message, and you see that they're starting to reply to you because you see a little bubble, right? You see a little bubble. All of a sudden, the bubble disappears and no response. See, I can hear in the audience right now who struggles with this. And then what happens, though, what happens is you go, they never replied. And Satan uses these very small things to plant bitterness within us. And then that root grows up. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like it sounds trivial, and a lot of it is, but Satan uses these small little things to prey on our insecurities and to prey on our weaknesses and to grow up this root of bitterness that causes trouble and defiles many. It could be at holiday meals. We've all got that person in our family or in our circle of friends when we get together for the holiday meal. Everybody brings a good dish or a good portion to share with folks, but there's always that one that they don't bring anything except their Tupperware to bring leftovers back home with them. And finally, like, year one, you're good with that. Year two, you're like, oh, maybe they had a hard year. But year three, you're like, enough's enough. Like, that's not okay. They gotta start contributing. They can't just take home leftovers every year when we've all poured our heart and soul into the holiday meal. Or it could be something a lot more significant. Something bigger. Someone lies to you or lies about you. Someone talks bad about you to others, gossips about you. Someone's unfaithful. Someone, you let someone borrow some money. They told you they would pay it back, but they never did. And next thing you know, this seed of offense grows into a root of bitterness. It could be that you have really critical family members. They're just always critical of you. They're critical of how you raise your kids. They're critical of where you work. They're critical of how you spend your money. They're critical of where you go to church. Why would you go to that church? All they do at that church is pray. Why would you go there? And next thing you know, you're just, like, you're just bitter. Like you're tired of hearing about it. You're offended by it. And Satan has used this seed to grow up a root of bitterness. What does a root do? A root grows deeper and it grows wider. Now, this is a really good thing if you're rooted in Jesus. If you're rooted in Jesus, you want that root to grow deeper and you want it to grow wider. But if you're allowing a root of bitterness to grow deeper and wider, that's a spiritually damaging thing. And this is how serious it can be, folks. One bitter person can hinder a marriage. One bitter person can damage a family. Now remember, it's important to not forget that our battle is not against flesh and blood. But Satan does want to work through that root, that conduit, to stir up trouble and defile his people. One bitter person can divide a church. I've seen it happen. One bitter person can cause small group members to go, man, I just don't want to go back to group this week because so-and-so, they just always talk about so-and-so. One bitter person can damage community. And this is why Paul says in Ephesians 4.31, look at the screens with me. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul said, get rid of all bitterness. 
If you dig into this scripture here, he's talking about, man, reach down in there and tear it up and tear it out. Get it out of the equation. Because Paul is well aware of what bitterness does. We don't know for sure this, but it's likely that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And so Paul, if he did write Hebrews, is telling us, hey man, this is a thing that's going to grow up into a large root and it's going to cause you a lot of trouble and it's going to defile folks around you. And Paul's saying, trust me, you don't want that. And so what he's saying now to the believers at Ephesus is get rid of all of it. Like don't even give it a chance to grow up within you. And so the question we want to spend a few minutes answering now is how do you get rid of bitterness? Because I don't think any of you in here today intentionally want to walk through life bitter. In fact, I think it's just the opposite. I think you want to travel light. I think you want to travel with spiritual freedom. Living and walking by the leading of the Holy Spirit of God as you yearn for that better country, for that heavenly homeland. Well, as we go on into Ephesians 4, 32, Paul gives us the answer for getting rid of bitterness. Number one is this. Be kind and compassionate. Be kind and compassionate. He says in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. But he goes on in verse 32 to say, be kind and compassionate to one another. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but if you read the scriptures, it doesn't take very long to see that the laws of the kingdom of God are almost always opposite of our human nature. Almost always opposite of our human nature. For example, uh, Jesus said, whomever among you wants to be first must be last. Uh, The scriptures tell us, Jesus said, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. You have heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The laws of the kingdom of God are opposite from our human nature. If you want to kill a root of bitterness inside of you, you love. You offer kindness and compassion. In Romans chapter 12, Paul gave a very similar teaching to the church of Rome when he said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. Uh, Let me use a personal illustration with you this morning. When I was in Bible college at Central Baptist College in Conway, I was probably 20, 21 years old at the time, and one of my theology professors, he got a little salty with me one day. And in front of the whole class, He questioned my calling to ministry. He outright said in front of the whole class, he said, you know, he called me Brother Nolan. He said, Brother Nolan, I'm just not sure that you're really called to ministry. I'm not sure that you really get it. I got up and walked out. I left class that day. I was pretty hot about it. I was already serving on staff at a church, and I'm like, man, I don't really need to hear that. That same week, Doc announced that he was retiring that year. I decided, you know what, instead of getting bitter at Doc, I'm going to be kind and compassionate. So I went and bought him a thank you card for his retirement, wrote a message inside of it, letting them know how much I loved him and how much I thanked him for his lessons in our theology class, and I gave it to him with some of his favorite candy. And I went to his office, and I walked in, made sure nobody else was in there, 
And I sat down and I said, Doc, can I bother you for a minute? And he, he said, Brother Nolan, what do you got today? I said, well, you announced your retirement. I just want to give you a card with your favorite candy. He opened up the card and he read it and tears began to flow down his eyes or out of his eyes and down his cheeks. And he looked up at me and he said, you're the first one since I announced my retirement that has even said thank you to me. That has even let me know that they appreciate me. How do you get rid of bitterness, kindness, and compassion? Number two is this. Be forgiving as Christ forgave you. Be forgiving as Christ forgave you. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 4.32, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says about forgiveness. He says, we forgive so that we can get on with our lives instead of getting stuck in the past due to resentment and bitterness. And we also remember that Jesus said, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Folks, we forgive so that we don't get stuck. Forgiveness is oftentimes more for your benefit than it is for them. See, here's the deal. Satan knows if he can get you to live with an unforgiving spirit and an unforgiving heart, he knows that that little seed is going to grow up into a root of bitterness. And he knows it's going to cause you a lot of trouble. And he knows that it's going to defile people all around you. And he knows that the result of that is going to be spiritual congestion in your life. But Jesus knows that the key to that, the remedy, is forgiveness. Think about when Jesus hung on the cross for your sins and for mine. And the soldiers were down there mocking him while he bled. And they mocked him and they mocked him. And what did Jesus say? He looked up to the heavens and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here's what I've learned in ministry over the years. Oftentimes the things that people do that end up offending us and which in turn can result in bitterness, they had no idea what they were even doing. Don't get me wrong. Some folks know exactly what they're up to. But the majority of people, they're just broken just like you're broken. They're flawed just like I'm flawed. And 99% of the time, they don't even realize what they're doing. And I believe that's a powerful lesson for us to learn from Jesus today. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to leave you with this thought. Mary Ann's going to make her way back to the stage. You can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond. You can't control what people do to you. You can't control what they say. You can't control what they don't do. But you can control how you respond. And church, let's remember who we belong to. We belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I believe as we get ready to go into the holiday season, 
as we travel to see family members and friends, as we travel onward to our heavenly home, I believe that this may be a little bit of baggage for you to let go of today. I can confess to you today that as a pastor, if there's anything that I struggle with a lot, it's bitterness. Because ministry's messy. You know why it's so messy? People are involved. And we as people, we have a way of not meaning to, but we hurt each other sometimes. And when we do, it's easy to read into things and wonder why and ask what if. And all along the way, this little bitty seed is growing up into a root of bitterness. When really what we need to do is forgive as Jesus forgave us and be kind and be compassionate. It doesn't mean that Jesus has called us to be a doormat. Because listen, folks, I do not believe that Christ has saved us and called us to be doormats. I don't believe that. I believe that there's a time and a place for healthy boundaries. There's a time and a place to say, hey, enough's enough. But you can also do that while simultaneously being kind and compassionate and forgiving. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.